Hello, Jim Laird here, and I have a special guest today, Mr. Stan Efferding. And Stan has done so much stuff online. We're not going to waste everyone's time by going through his illustrious bio. You can very easily find that everywhere. So we're not going to go over that. Stan, thank you for being on today. Uh, I first, I can't remember, I've known about you for a long time. I can't remember when I heard about you when I was training at Westside or if Jim Windler told me about you or Ed Cohn told me about you, I, or I've learned about you from Mark Bell, but I've been following you for a long time. I've been ordering your meals for a long time. And it's interesting. About a year ago, I started working with Dr. Leland Stillman coming into his medical practice and helping him develop a coaching practice. Cause we know most doctors, you know, that's not really their skill set. So helping him develop that. And I remember we, we, we basically ended up sharing a place together. We thought it would be much easier for us to start a business if we're both in the same house, which has had its pluses and minuses, I'm sure you're aware. Um, and I remember the first time he saw me cook and he just sit there and he, he looked at me like, what are you making? You know, cause I was making monster mash, corn <laughs> bone broth in there, you know, steak and, you know, rice and all these things. And he, when he first started working with me, he wanted me to understand what he does. So we, I don't know if you, you're familiar with the Nutri eval from Genova Labs. Yep. He ordered me one of those because that's a big part of his practice. And I could see him. He's like, this meathead doesn't know how to eat. And he was watching me eat. And then he tried some of it. He's like, this is really good. And I was like, it is. And the Nutri eval came back and he's like, you have one of the most balanced. I thought it was going to be a train wreck. He's like, you have one of the most balanced Nutri-Evals I've ever seen. And I was like, well, you know, I, I got this template from Stan Efforting. I showed you the, I showed him a book. He started running your diet through a chronometer. And he was like, this is incredible. Like, this is so balanced and it's foods that people actually want to eat. Um, and it's easy on digestion. It's great for autoimmune issues. Why don't you kind of tell us how you kind of came up with this, this, this thing called the vertical diet? Yeah, well, I think, uh, most folks know that I've been competing for over 30 years since 1988. And unfortunately, back then we didn't have the internet and there was a lot of trial and error going on. And I would bulk up to over 300 pounds to compete in powerlifting. Then I would diet down to single digit body fat to compete in bodybuilding. And I would do that back and forth and back and forth. I'd compete in powerlifting meet and I would diet and compete in the bodybuilding show. And so conservatively speaking, and people <clears throat> think I'm kidding when I say this, but over the 25 years that I was actually on platforms or stages, I gained and lost well over a thousand pounds. Yeah. And so a lot of it was trial and error and working with clients who, uh, and athletes at major universities. And I was a high school soccer coach and I trained the university of Oregon football and track team. I just found that, uh, a lot of them were over. Well, let's say it this way on the dieting side, whether it was bodybuilding, figure, physique, bikini, uh, athletes, women track in particular, people would over restrict. They would demonize foods to such a degree that they would experience uh, micronutrient deficiencies. Women in particular, uh, the female triad, anemia, amenorrhea, uh, osteopenia, uh, low thyroid, very common. We'd see those kinds of things. Uh, brittle skin, hair, and nails from biotin deficiency, from eliminating the egg yolk, um, all those kinds of things. So that was on that end of the spectrum. And they were just, they had just, uh, you know, those guru nutrition bikini diets were always 
Uh, don't eat red meat. Don't eat the egg yolk. Don't eat fruit. Uh, don't eat dairy. Don't eat. Don't salt your food. Uh, and what we found is, is those people would just quickly deteriorate into a uh, a very <clears throat> poor uh, health and performance state. And then on the other end of the spectrum, uh, from the dirty bulking, we would see guys experience fatty liver and then ultimately metabolic syndrome, high blood pressure, high blood sugar, uh, high cholesterol, uh, liver and kidney enzyme uh, issues, uh, just from dirty bulking. And I did both. I, I dirty bulked, I got fat, I had bad biomarkers, uh, and I, uh, I did extreme uh, restrictive diets with too much cardio and I just lost a whole lot of size and strength. And I went back and forth like that for many, many years. And, and so I, I started trying to find out more information and, and uh, studying, you know, I went to the University of Oregon, studied exercise science, plenty of nutrition courses and the like. And I just said, no more, you know, no more am I gonna get fat when I bulk up and no more am I going to over restrict and, and feel miserable uh, when I diet down. And so I just started incorporating uh, more and more foods. A lot of folks, both the bulking side and the dieting side, would come to me and say, I've got all kinds of digestion problems, whether it's IBS or diarrhea. IBS can be both, IBS-C, IBS-D, constipation or diarrhea, uh, severe gas and bloating, just a lot of discomfort um, on either end of the spectrum, whether they're overeating or undereating. And so, uh, you know, many, many, many years ago, uh, Monash University out of Australia started researching IBS diets and came up with the low FODMAP diet. And I do understand that that is a restriction diet specific for IBS, and it's not intended to be uh, adhered to. You're intended, you know, intended to reintroduce foods, but there were a lot of foods in that, um, in those high-gas FODMAP fermentable oligodimonosaccharides and polyols uh, that I just found didn't agree with me. Onions, garlic, uh, just excessive amounts of certain foods that would bloat me for extended period of times, so whether it was pasta, uh, pizza, you know, just... And that's not to demonize those foods, uh, but you want to look at the doses and how they're prepared. Uh, women would, would uh, consume an extraordinary amount of broccoli, uh, which can bind to uh, receptor sites and interfere with uh, uh, the thyroid function. And so um, I just wanted for them to eat with greater diversity and pay more attention to uh, the quantity and the preparation of certain foods that were causing them discomfort and accumulating into their uh, into their bowel, because obviously women in particular, would, uh, uh, they tend to, to get that bloating in the lower bowel, uh, uh, in the colon, the, the, uh, the thing that we've heard of that is the cecum of the large intestine. And uh, so I tried to mitigate that with using, you know, lower FODMAP foods, and, and then obviously tried to mitigate a lot of the uh, female triad issues by uh, incorporating more uh, of the, uh, you know, lean red meats, leave an egg yolk in, uh, continue eating fruits. There's low sugar fruits, strawberries, oranges, blueberries, blackberries that should be, I think, regularly included in the diet. Salting your food, particularly for people who, who are, have a um, sweat a lot and have a high performance, um, like, you know, whether it's cardio or working out and uh, hot climates, etc. So we incorporate that. And then dairy and uh, just looking at, um, I mean, if you have a lactose, um, uh, intolerance, then you can look at the dose uh, as opposed to an allergy. Of course, you want to avoid it altogether. But with intolerances, I would use lower lactose foods like yogurt. And now we're finding all these many years later that uh, the Stanford uh, trials, the Sonnenberg 
uh, trials on digestion found that, that uh, fermented foods such as yogurt had uh, benefits across the board. 100% of their participants in increased their microbiome diversity and density. As opposed to fiber, they had three, uh, three groups. One responded well, one didn't change at all, and one responded poorly. Uh, so I do like the fermented foods. I do like, uh, you know, the, the probiotics and the, uh, that's in the dairy uh, and, and women need calcium. Yeah. So when you said that your friend ran this through the chronometer, that's exactly what I did. We need a thousand milligrams of, of calcium. We need 4,700 milligrams of potassium. Uh, we need at least 125 micrograms of iodine. We need, uh, you know, our, our, our iron intake. We need our B12 intake. So I went down the list. I just started Googling each and every one of those vitamins and minerals. And I said, and I said, what are the foods that have the highest concentration of these? And then I carefully looked at those foods. I pulled all those together and said, you know, which ones of these are uh, most typically consumed? Because uh, in iodine, you can eat seaweed, but who eats seaweed? You know, I, I could have made a diet with seaweed, but yeah, uh, yeah. you know, you understand the point. And so it, I do. I felt it had to be simple, sensible, and sustainable. That's the big thing. Compliance yeah. is the science, is my mantra. And uh, so I had to give somebody a diet they would actually eat that could become part of a lifestyle. And even then, I would go one step further and tell them where to buy these groceries and how to cook them. So uh, like the Costco meats are way better than the Walmart meats. It, it hands yep. down. There's, there's no comparison. Walmart meats taste like dog food. I, I, I'm sorry, but that's just the way, you know, I, I've eaten a lot of food in my life. So I went so far as to, to find out who has the best quality. And I don't even want to use that word. I probably prefer just to say best tasting uh, foods and then how to prepare them such that that's convenient. And so right. nobody has an hour to cook a meal. And so I, I try and teach them to prepare, uh, you know, meal prepping is generally where I, I head towards, hence the Monster Mash. You can make three or four of them in a big bowl at once and then put two into thermos and take them with you. Yep. Um, and then you just add some baby carrots and a couple scoops of yogurt and the orange with each meal. And you're starting to satisfy all of the chronometer uh, requirements. So that's kind of, I know I went all over the place, but that's kind of how it started to, to come together. And then I recruited Dr. Damon McCune about five years ago, who's my co-author and he's a PhD RDN. He was director of dietetics at UNLV and an instructor in the exercise phys department. And we just went through it with a fine tooth comb, step-by-step step, reanalyzing all of our recommendations, providing the proper nuance, um, making sure we address outliers, people who had specific genetic predispositions or uh, you know, dietary uh, requirements, allergies, etc. Uh, and he attached over 200 peer-reviewed published research articles. Most of them are systematic reviews of RCTs uh, to make sure that we were giving good advice. And that's kind of how the vertical diet has evolved to this point. It's pretty awesome. Like something that started out as a performance thing. I mean, I've seen the hundreds of testimonials of people with IBS, autoimmune issues that have gotten great results, you know, using your template. And we, we certainly love your template because of its simplicity. Um, it simplifies things for people. And, you know, we see the same things. We ran 60 people through a thyroid course here recently, and we're actually releasing that this weekend. And the, the, the number of women that were eating less than 20 grams of protein a day was absolutely insane. Uh, like, and what do you think is going to happen? You get less than 20 grams of protein, you're not going to sleep well. You're not going to produce the, the the things you need to produce, you know, thyroid. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of them didn't have thyroid issues, just micronutrient deficiencies. They never got outside and they go yeah. to the doctor and the doctor's like, oh, you're tired all the time. Well, here, take a thyroid, you know? So <laughs> it's awesome. You know, it, most people don't realize this, but you're actually a hard gainer. You were a big skinny guy when you first started. And I don't think people understand, like we, you know, a lot of the clients I, we work with are w- people that want to lose weight and, and. I don't think people understand how hard and how much you have to eat and how much you actually have to sleep if you're trying to put on muscle mass. Correct. And I'm glad you said muscle mass because that's different than weight. And I've dirty bulked and added a lot of fat at times throughout my career, but it didn't translate into improved performance and it didn't improve my lean, lean muscle mass. So you're right. Maintaining a slight calorie surplus consistently uh, the number of meals you have to eat, the constitu- the macro constitution that better lends itself to increasing lean mass as opposed to fat would be a lower fat diet and uh, a higher carbohydrate diet that uh, uh, I always say earn your carbs. Then you have to increase yep. your work volume and because uh, that can be stored as glycogen preferentially before it's stored as fat. Uh, and higher saturated fat diets will cause uh, a faster um, deposition of fatty liver. Uh, even in isocaloric studies, uh, isoenergenic, I guess they, they call it, but uh, uh, we see that, that high saturated fat diets can increase fatty liver to a greater degree and then ultimately all the metabolic syndrome problems that come with that. But you're right. And I, and I'm, I was a hard gainer. I wrestled 98 pounds as a freshman and sophomore in high school. I didn't even have to diet. I was 106 as a junior, 115 as a senior. Uh, part of that problem was that... Uh, I was working a swing shift all through high school and I wouldn't get home till one o'clock in the morning and then I would get up at 6.30. Um, and I was eating at 7-Eleven where I was working. And so it was nacho chips with the pump cheese and it was soda pops from the, uh, you know, from the, uh, the soda machine. I, I just wasn't consuming uh, a sufficient amount of quality whole foods and I wasn't sleeping enough. And so my body wasn't in the position to go through puberty. I had delayed onset puberty as a result. And it wasn't until my senior year when I moved back to Pennsylvania with my uncle and started working on his farm and started drinking raw milk from the cows and eating bacon eggs every morning and uh, yep. sleeping you know, a lot, working hard all day and sleeping uh, long and hard all night that uh, I, I actually put on 30 pounds. And I finally made myself to call, got myself to college and I was uh, 140. And I couldn't bench 135. I still remember the day in the gym with all the frat boys. I, I got crushed under 135 and I had to take the plate off and put a 35 on just so I could get a couple reps in. Uh, I'm still suffering post-traumatic stress disorder from that day. And, <laughs> and it was 10 years later, I, I benched almost 600. So you can see what it did to me, how, how most of us who end up in this, in this funny little industry usually have a a story like that, a, a yes. little guy story or something we're trying to overcome or compensate for. And I'm certainly yeah. in that regard. But I, uh, I also had to diet very hard to compete as a pro bodybuilder in all of the shows that I did to get there as an amateur. Uh, and I understand what it's like to go to bed at night starving and just laying there dreaming. I used to picture uh, almost in 3D and like of a pizza going through a pizza oven and the, the, the pepperoni curling as it cooked and the cheese <laughs> bubbling. I, I remember those days. And so I'm, yeah. I'm very empathetic uh, to those people who, who have a hard time losing weight due to hunger. And that's a lot of what I focus on with the general population is simply satiety, trying to yeah. get in front of that, those signals, the, 
the ghrelin and, and leptin signaling and trying to, uh, because willpower is not a good strategy to lose weight. You'll lose that battle every time. And so I work hard on, on trying to make sure I feed people high satiety foods uh, that, you know, that are very uh, dense in volume, but very, uh, but lower in calories. And I, I'm focused almost exclusively on satiety. I ask my clients all the time, are you hungry? Are you hungry? Because <laughs> once they get hungry, you're, you're going to lose. <laughs> yeah, yep. You know, we see that all the time. These women that restrict calories are doing high intensity workouts. Yeah. And they have a lot of stress. They turn into human vacuum cleaners. And before you know it, half a cheesecake is gone. A whole bottle of wine has gone. You yeah. know, and it's much better. To, I'd rather have them eat a little more food and walk and, and lift weights and and play the long game and try and you know starve themselves to lose a bunch of weight quickly yeah and um, as you know when people when uh, women in particular they'll they'll crush themselves they'll get up at 4 a.m and do an hour of cardio and do another hour later and then this this uh, what happens is called compensation they'll end up getting hungry and tired and they'll sit more and eat more as a result yeah and the energy expenditure side of the equation isn't, isn't nearly as effective as the calorie restriction side of the equation, the energy intake right. side. Uh, and so maintaining that slight calorie deficit and being patient is far more effective than crushing yourself on workouts in terms of yep. long-term dietary adherence. So you're right on target. The 10-minute walks, you know, accumulating. Where did, where did you come up with the 10-minute walks? We use that all the time. I mean, I've been telling people to get outside for over 20 years, but the 10-minute walks, when I started seeing you doing that, I was like, this just makes a lot of sense to me. Where, where did that come from? I don't remember the original research, but I was training with Mark Bell in 2009. Yep. And I was going to the gym uh, and I, we were crushing, I mean, we were 800 pound squats every week. You know, we were in there just trying to, I was getting ready for a powerlifting meet. Yeah. And I always had this philosophy coming up as a young man, uh, as most people who are trying to gain weight, powerlifters, strongmen, etc. Don't run if you can walk, don't stand if you can sit, and don't stay awake if you can sleep. And so I was going home after those workouts and I was just laying in my hotel room. I, I, I moved to Sacramento and I stayed there for two months straight and trained with Mark Bell every day. Yeah. And so I would just lay there in the hotel room and three, four days later, I would still have severe DOMS, uh, delayed onset muscle soreness from those workouts. And uh, I was just reading through some research at the time. I can't remember how it came up, but uh, it, it just more movement, just more movement. Yep. Uh, would help with that. So I got a recumbent bike because uh, I yep. was 280 pounds and, and my big athletes, you know, sometimes their feet get sore from a lot of walking. Sure. So I got a recumbent bike and I put it in my hotel room and I did three 10 minute uh, little mini hit sessions. I would do 45 seconds under modest tension at a reasonable pace. And then I would rest for 15 and I would do that 10 times. So it was a 10 minute recumbent bike workout that was intended just to pump a ton of blood into my knees and hips. Sure. Uh, and that was that was a also a very huge benefit to this 10 minute bouts of exercise. Um, and I would do that three times a day. I would do that uh, just after breakfast, just after lunch, just after dinner. Part of it, I believe, at the time was because I'd seen some research on uh, on glucose uptake from the bloodstream uh, with exercise uh, would be uh, could be accomplished without the need of insulin uh, through stimulation of the glute four pathway. Yep. Uh, and so I was, I was partly doing it for that reason, because I wanted the nutrients that I was eating. I was on a very high calorie diet, uh, at the time, a lot of carbs, 800 grams of carbs a day. And I wanted those carbs to be taken up into the muscle. And a lot of people would, uh, you know, 
a lot of bodybuilders and powerlifters at the time were shooting insulin in order to try and make that happen. Uh, but I saw the research to suggest that you could do it equally as well just by moving, particularly your large muscle groups like legs, uh, sure. particularly under a small bit of tension, like on the recumbent bike. And so I, I realized in a very short period of time, probably within two days of having gotten the bike, that my DOMS, uh, my delayed onset muscle soreness just went away within 24 hours. Yep. Uh, my, I had a lot less bloating from all the calories I was consuming, uh, a lot less gas and bloating. And uh, I just felt better uh, mm-hmm. systemically from moving after each meal. And that's kind of what kicked off. And I've been doing it ever since. I introduced it to Mark Bell on his podcast some seven years ago. Uh, and then he, he started doing it as well. And, and he just couldn't believe the difference that it made. Yeah. And now we have studies. You know, we have peer-reviewed published studies showing that, that uh, taking a 10-minute walk after a meal is twice as effective as metformin for reducing yep. or preventing type 2 diabetes because of its... Uh, uh, the way that it mitigates postprandial glycemia, the elevation yep. of blood sugar and uh, duration of, of blood sugar elevation after a meal, we call the area yep. under the curve. And so I'm, I'm religious about it now. And besides that, I hate quote unquote cardio. It's, yep. it's painful to go to the gym and walk on a treadmill for 40 minutes, how boring it is. And we just discussed how it's possibly not even terribly effective in terms of sustainability your body adapts to it over time and down regulates the number of calories it'll burn mm-hmm. uh, because you get better at it. Uh, I just, I don't prescribe it to any of my clients. It's just too big a barrier to entry, you know, getting in the yep. car, driving to the gym, doing the cardio and yep. my general population clients, they have jobs, they have kids, they have, you know, yeah. it's not something that they ever end up doing consistently. It's the first thing that gets abandoned and they abandon the whole uh, program if they don't feel like they're getting the exercise that they need. And so the 10 minute well, walk can be done anytime, anywhere. Correct. And you're getting people outside. The majority of people are spending 90% of the day in, indoors. Their circadian rhythm is screwed, which is going to yep. affect their sleep. Um, you know, you're getting them out in nature, which helps calm people down. Most people today are stress monsters. You know, yeah. I, I compare, I compare modern life to getting in your car, in your driveway, leaving mm-hmm. it in park and revving the living hell out of the engine all day and never driving anywhere. And then wonder why you feel like you're exhausted. Right. And so, you know, it, it checks off so many boxes at once that yeah. it's, you know, regulates blood sugar, helps you relax, you know, calming people down, helps control their appetite, makes them more mindful. So it's just such a great, great modality. Um, you know, you start combining that with adding a protein in every meal and drinking high quality water and sleeping. And all of a sudden you get this massive snowball momentum that just people wake up one day and they're like, I've lost like two clothing sizes. I don't even know how it happened. You know? Yeah. And they say in terms of creating habits, you have to attach it to an existing behavior and eating is an existing behavior. And so you just make a habit of as soon as you're done eating, you get up and walk and that can be, you know, whether it's a a treadmill in your house or a comet bike in your home, whether, you know, not being the best everywhere, or if you go to a restaurant, maybe you just uh, walk for 10 minutes before you get in your car after you're done eating, whether it's a mall walk or down the street or around the parking lot. When I go to so, airport, so practical. I'll, I'll walk around the, the baggage claim while other people are just standing there staring, waiting yep. for their bags. Hotels, when I travel, I can go up and down the stairs and up and down the hallways if necessary yep. or walk around outside. But it, it's it, we see now, too, there's so much literature now on 10-minute walks. It's just, just pouring uh, out of the woodwork. And we see now that uh, one three 10-minute walks is far better than one 30-minute bout of exercise at the end of the day. Yep. So the frequency seems to matter. They say sitting is the new smoking. And those people who get up during work, if they have a sedentary job, 
and walk around even for a few minutes, five minutes every hour, uh, have much better health outcomes than those people who sit all day. Yeah, we're missing that low level manual labor that would come with life 40, you know, 30, 40 years ago. Yep. Um, most people today just don't move and they don't go outside at all, you know, so it's definitely an easy way to get that back into your life, right? It, it's Agreed. really funny. I met Mark Bell probably around 2005, 2006 when he was living in Louisville. He was still for trying to be a professional wrestler. Yeah. And so, um, yeah, I've, I've known Mark a long time and it's been fun to watch his evolution. Smelly. Um, and so I remember when I first met you, I think it was a conference where it was Ed Cohn and Stuart McGill and you. Yeah. And you were, I think you were in Cincinnati or I can't remember exactly. I think it was Cincinnati. Yeah. And a buddy of mine went with me and, and he was all excited. He's like, you know, cause we're at, he's, he's, he's listening to your presentation and he's like, you're like, you gave your email address out and you're like, Hey, I think I can't remember. Was it Brian Shaw or who you were working with at the time? Um, but you were, you were talking about how you were going to give the exact protocol that you gave him and the questionnaire and everything in his prescription. And he was so excited because he's like, oh, man, this is going to be like the cutting edge information. Like, I'm, you know, I'm getting like top secret stuff. And I remember we got the email and he opened it up and he's like. Sleep more. Um, tell your wife to sleep in another room. It's affecting your sleep or kick your dog out of the bed or something like that. Wear a CPAP. Uh, get outside more. Take a vitamin D supplement. Uh, you know, ride a bike three times a day. I mean, it was, you know, it was like all the stuff that I talk about with my clients. And he's like, where's the, where's the, he, the, like the, where's the cutting edge, like, you know, supplementation, where's the, where's the, you know, where's the, the bacon? Like, he's like, this is just common sense stuff. And I'm like, dude, most of these people don't do the common sense stuff. Agreed. Yeah. That's uh, I, I mentioned, I told the story about when I finally sat down with Flex Wheeler in 2008 after following him for decades and uh i sat down at uh, at uh, firehouse restaurant in venice mm -hmm. and i had my yellow pad of paper out and my pencil handy and i was going to ask him all the questions i thought that the wizard of oz was going to pull back yeah. the curtain and give me the secrets that i'd yep. been searching for 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 20 plus years and uh we got done with an hour and a half of sitting there on probably nearly two hours of conversation and i didn't have a single thing written on the piece of paper he just reiterated to me how important all of the basics were and how much we were going to uh, double down on those things, including the intensity of the training sessions. Those were on right. another level. And I always thought I trained hard. I was a powerlifter bodybuilder. I, I, sure. you know, I trained with Aaron, Aaron Madrin, pro bodybuilder, who was, who was called Mr. Intensity. We used to train together for years when I was coming up in the, in the sport, took every set to failure, maxed out every week, you know? Yeah. Uh, but this was a whole nother level and it was a little different because the bodybuilding training, uh, you end up in deep water. That's a lot. I, I would much rather do a heavy single than do sets of twenties. Amen. <laughs> no, I tell you what, you start doing sets of twenties with four or five yeah. or 500 on the squat. Like yeah. you see Jesus right in front of your face. Like there yes, is you like, do. you start doing these high volume high, even on hack squats and stuff like, you start seeing like demons from your past and like it, it, it really is like people that haven't lifted a moderate to heavy amount of weight for high repetitions have no idea what pain and suffering is. I mean, you go to places that you, you don't want to go to. Even if it's rest pauses and drop sets, it's just a whole nother place. Hold on. 
pull two plates, 10 more. <laughs> Hold on, pull two plates, 10 more. Yeah. That, that, it's, it's grueling. Well, and most people don't have the, 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 the foundation to handle stuff like that. One. You're and, right. And two, you know, it's, it's interesting. Just on that note, because you trained at Westside and yep. you know how people would come in to train with Louie and they couldn't keep up. And so he would make right. them do cardio just because they didn't yep. have the GPP, the general physical preparedness to be able to do the workload necessary to grow. Right. Louis Simmons, guys like Charlie, uh, Charlie Francis were so far ahead of the curve with the GPP, the general Mel Sif. Yep. These guys are like Louis and his sled dragging, you know, uh, Charlie Francis with his tempo days. Like that's the big problem today is no one has a foundation. Like the kids today don't play outside. People don't do anything and they go to the gym and they think they're going to do three hit workouts a week and going to get improvement, but they don't understand like a gymnast spends 85% of their time or wrestling, you know, we're both wrestlers. The amount right. of drilling that you do in wrestling to prepare for that three minute match, right? Like we're drilling at a low level so that that three minute match or that intensity, you know, gymnasts walk on their hands, they climb ropes, they do bear crawls for hours to prepare themselves for the tumbling. No one has a general level of fitness or preparedness that's going to allow them to um, get a decent amount of training volume and have a stimulus. And not only that, everybody wants to work on their strengths, right? And right. everybody has an ego. And when you start training with somebody like a flex wheeler or somebody that like, you know, changes the exercise to make it so that it sucks for you, it is absolutely horrible. Like Windler a couple of times when we trained together, you know, I, he put like, you know, I, I, one of my biggest regrets is I didn't like, compete raw because i i was you know i i competed at the time where everybody's wearing equipment i would have been a much better raw lifter but i remember jim put like 150 pounds on my bench just by teaching me how to bench the shirt because i yeah. just wasn't doing it right and i remember chuck vogapool pulled me aside i have the worst deadlifting body in the history of man yeah. i have the my arms are so short i can sit on my butt like an l sit with my butt on the ground and my hands do not touch the ground so yeah. I've got a really tall torso and these little short arms. And I remember when I first started powerlifting, I could pull like in the mid to high 500s. And Chuck walked over to me. I'm this nobody. And he says, dude, you're leaving so much weight on the table. He's like, you're not, you're, you're lifting you and the bar. Like your weight is forward. You need to like bend the bar. You need to drop your hips. You need to get, you know, your weight going backwards. So you actually teeter totter. And I remember like, like no extra work. Like my deadlift went from in the mid fives to like almost 700 in less than six months because yeah. i learned how to do it right you know so when you start actually training with people that know what they're doing there, there's a whole nother level of intensity that that most people just don't ever experience because most people get in a comfort zone and they aren't willing to work on their weaknesses they're not willing to take a a good look at themselves um so you know it's important what you just said uh, i think everyone should have a coach i, I have been competing for 20 years when I finally was in the position to be able to have the time and the resources to go find a great coach. And I was able to hire Flex Wheeler. That was a very expensive proposition. I talked about uh, in a video called Why I'm a Hypocrite on YouTube about yeah. the cost of that venture, just packing up and moving to San Jose and living in a hotel room for, for nearly four months and training with Flex twice a day, every day. Uh, and then going to Mark Bell, the things I learned from Mark, I had totaled 2,070 pounds in March of 2009, and in September or October, I forget exactly, of 2009, uh, it was 20, 
221. And, and that was largely due to the changes that Mark made in uh, my technique, uh, squatting with a wider stance, staying, keeping my, my torso a little more vertical, dropping my elbows down a little bit on the bench press, working yep. off of a box and some bands, using some SSB bar because the, the low bar squatting was hurting my elbows and was compromising my bench press. Uh, just some things that to Mark are, are nothing. Those are things he does every day and has for sure. years. Uh, to me, it was obviously life-changing. It put me from, you know, just uh, kind of an also ran into a, a world record holder at the time, beating KK's record. Uh, Chuck Vogelpool is another example of someone who has an extraordinary vision. He can just look at somebody training and almost immediately yep. be able to make the changes. And he's been driving down to Cincinnati and training with uh, Matt Whitmer, who also trained and competed for Louis Simmons. Uh, yep. for many years and matt's a, a former nfl snc coach uh under buddy morris a legend in the strength and conditioning industry an nfl legend uh and matt has been telling me repeatedly over the last many months uh, just how uh, extraordinary chuck is uh, and what a great coach he is and how much matt has learned uh, and that's coming from somebody who has an enormous amount of experience competing uh, and working with louis himself and so I just think everybody should have a coach. There's some great coaches yep. out there. Uh, there. It's invaluable, the lessons that you can learn. There's a reason why guys like Tom Brady and these guys in the NFL have coaches, because guess what? Right. It's human nature to cut corners. And, yeah. you know, if you watch a guy like Bill Belichick, one of the reasons the Patriots have been so successful is they focus on the fundamentals over and over and over. At the yeah. end of the season, they're still doing basic tackling drills. A lot of these are the teams have quit doing that stuff. Yeah. And Belichick's still working on form tackling drills before the yeah. Super Bowl. Like, like it, you know, they don't ever stop teaching the basics and the fundamentals, right? Yeah. What's the, and, what's the method? The concurrent method? Everything should at least maintain or gain. Yeah. Was it John Wooden who would like teach his players how to put his so their socks on so they wouldn't get blisters? Right. Um, yeah. So the basic stuff is super important. It's funny um, what you said, your, your buddy said about my program, because uh, I, was do, I did a YouTube video, or a, it was a podcast some years ago, and I remember reading the comments, and somebody said, uh, Stan just keeps repeating himself over and over again. And I looked at that as a compliment, because there's yep. a lot of people out there just making right. shit up, and yep. I keep reiterating and repeating over and over and over again how important these fundamentals are, the GPP, right. the sleep, the hydration, the 10-minute walks, the... You know, I keep repeating myself because that's what actually works. Yep. And then I see really popular social media influencers, and I won't mention their names, just <laughs> making shit up. Uh, it's like they run out of material, so they gotta yep. they gotta uh, overemphasize the meaningfulness of something that's probably inconsequential yep. in terms of outcomes. And I, I put that over in kind of the the one percent bucket. There's a I have what's called the ninety nine percent rule, and that's where sleep, eat, and train goes. And then Everything else to me is is likely to be much less uh, cumulative, uh, collectively, probably less than 1%. Right. Yeah, if you get the big rocks right, you're going to do really well over the long haul. And, it, you know, Dr. Stillman would say to me, like, when do I get, when am I going to stop talking about these basic fundamental things? I was like, never. I was like, I had clients for 20 years. They would start going off the path and they'd be like, I'm gaining weight. Well, how's your sleep? Well, I've been under a lot of stress. I started drinking. Yeah. And I've kind of cut corners. Uh, I'm not sleeping as much. I'm going to bed later. I started watching Netflix. Well, we got to get back to the foundation, right? It was never anything earth shattering. 
It yeah. was always I've gotten away from my foundational habits and I've kind of slid. And we yeah, need to get lunch back. at Chipotle twice a week. I had dinner at Cheesecake Factory Saturday night. You know, it all adds yeah. up. You're right. It, it's it's just insane. I'm really excited. You know, this is a really funny story. I've been using your food service forever and ever and ever. And I've had your cell phone for a long time. And it's really funny because I was ordering from your food service and I opened the box up and and there was beans, chicken, and rice, which, which I really that there's nothing wrong with beans, chicken, and rice. It's just that beans don't agree with me and they don't agree with you either. And they yeah. don't agree with anyone that's around me. Right. Right. And so I go to the page and um, I'm like, all right, I'll call the support number expecting to, you know, talk to somebody. I didn't even think anything out of it. I was thinking about talking, you know, maybe speaking to somebody in India or in who knows where. And I, I, I dial the number and it's a stand and I'm like, oh, hey, man, um, it's Jim Laird. You're like, hey, what's going on? I was like, uh, I got this meal and he's like, yeah, there's a mistake. Well, you know, we're going to fix it, whatever, whatever. And you're like, what are you doing? What you been doing? I'm like, well, you know, I partnered with a doctor. We actually, I'm helping him, you know, bring coaching into his medical practice. You're like, great. I said, I'm actually building a gym on the beach in Nicaragua. And he was like, oh, you know, send me some stuff on it. And you were like, hey, this is really cool. Like, let's talk about it. So we talked about it and we decided to bring you in to our retreat that we're doing in January. Um, basically we're going to do a retreat there where you, Dr. Stillman and I, and there, there could be some other special guests coming along. We're basically going to hang out. I don't know how built the gym's going to be, but we can hang out, talk training. Most of it's just going to be to relax. You could check out an amazing property, an amazing, amazing company that, that we've partnered with. And our, our plan is to, to basically build gyms, all of these properties that this, this company has like a kind of Tulum jungle gym, but a little more modern. Um, we need to actually have some real equipment there, but we're really excited to have you, you come down to that. And, and, um, and I think that's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah. You know, these are great opportunities. I've seen a number of other, uh, uh, people in the fitness industry host, uh, similar kind of events in different countries. And I've always thought that was kind of neat. And it was maybe like a CrossFit one and there was a yoga one and there, you know, things like that. Uh, but just the immersion of being there every day, eating together, training together, uh, you know, and, and having the opportunity one-on-one or in small group sessions to work through, uh, because everybody's different. Everybody presents with a different genetic predisposition, yep. some different current medical conditions, potentially different injury histories. Um, and that, that's when it, uh, it's a little easier to, to ask a lot more questions and to help people uh, yeah. kind of set themselves up on a program to get, to get better, to, to lose weight yeah. and feel great, you know? And so I think, and, and to, in that environment where we can, you know, where stress management becomes uh, an effective intervention as well. Yeah. So I, I look forward to that. I, I have hosted in the past some, uh, some uh, Biggs university seminars here in my home in Las Vegas and at my gym where people come and spend a whole day with me. And, uh, I'm looking forward to the opportunity to to travel to a such a destination and have people come there and uh, spend you know as many hours as they want with us around the clock for a week uh, and just get so much more out of that than they could uh, you know online or uh, sure. via video. So I'm excited about it. I think those are great opportunities for people. Thank you. We're great to have you on board. And the best thing about it is it's all inclusive. It's all taken care of everything from your accommodations to your pickup at the airport. Flights are really cheap out of Miami. It's only about an hour and 45 minute flight. Your transportation's taken care of private chef with like 
there is no such thing as non-organic food in Nicaragua. Like everything's right. grown. Like it's like I was eating tomatoes like apples down there. I mean, they're so right. much better. Like tomahawk ribeyes, like this big for fifteen dollars. Like yeah. straight from straight from the farmers. The food is like unbelievable. So it's going to be a great experience. We're going to have a good time. Um, it's so right on the beach. It's right on the beach. Like we got 10 miles of private beach. This is a, you know, we, we get into uh, on the webinar, there's a link below where you can check it out. But a lot of the webinars, like we, we are, Dr. Stillman has bought a house there. I'm buying a house there. We plan to spend it, plan to spend a lot of time there. It's not about that. If you want to check out property while you're there, cause you can buy beachfront property there for $150,000, which is not going to happen in the United States anywhere. So nope. <laughs> and these are really nice places. If you want to check that out, that's there. If you watch the webinar, our main point of the webinar with the CEO of ECI development was to basically educate people that Nick Nicaragua is not this like crazy, uh, hellhole that it's been made out to be it's actually safer than canada believe it or not uh joe crussell thank you so much we really appreciate you watching so that being said stan tell everyone i got the link to your meal to the vertical diet in the description i've got the link to your meal service down below please you know i don't get any kind of affiliate for that i've been using that service forever it's a lifesaver um incredible meals food quality, super high order on a Sunday night, get it on a Thursday. The, the packaging system that you have, uh, from the Idaho place is incredible. Like the, the cooler it's sent in every one of the meals I got last week was still frozen, which coming to Florida is absolutely crazy. Yeah. It's hard to do with the weather right now. It's been over hundred degrees all over the place. Yeah. And it's super easy. You put it in a skillet, you warm it up. It's ready to go. A little seasoning, maybe a little, little sauce, whatever you want to do, a little cheese on there and it's ready to rock and roll. So tell people where they can find you. And yeah, uh, thank you brother. Everything's at uh is my website. There's a link to the meals on there. There's a link to my eBooks on there. Uh, there's a blood test link to how you yep. can get your blood test done online. Um, uh, I've got to Instagram at Stan efforting and I've got those YouTube videos. My rants are, are also Stan efforting on YouTube. So everything's Stan efforting. Just, uh, look me up and if there's anything I can do to help, please let me know. Absolutely. And I tell you what, Stan's one of the most accessible guys there is, uh, is really genuine with his time, generous and, uh, appreciate you, uh, coming on today. I'm sure we're going to be talking more about this in the future. And uh, I look forward to hanging out with you in January. Awesome. Thank you, brother. You're welcome. Have yourself a great day. Take care.